0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. I'm excited about this morning, about getting into the message this morning. Uh, just before we start, a couple announcements. I just want to make an announcement. That those are on live stream. We've realized, I don't know how long this has been going on, but uh, somewhere along the line on the live stream, the uh, private button got hit instead of the public button. So I don't know if we've lost some of you on live stream, but we've archived all of them on our website. Uh, but I think we fixed it this morning. So if we, if we lost some of you, we apologize for that. That was not intentional. Uh, we're still learning all this techie stuff. So uh, anyway, but here we are. Uh, I also want to invite you. Uh, so we have our Bible study tonight at six o'clock. We open early at five thirty for worship. For those who are interested. Um, uh, anyway, feel free to join us. And then we have our Saturday night, which will be again next week uh, in Pasadena, which both groups are just very, very, very healthy and very good and whatnot. But uh, we have a special occasion coming this. Uh, Coming Saturday, a week from yesterday and that's the 21st. In the morning uh, we're going to have a pastor's breakfast. Uh, if you are a pastor there, you're watching, feel free to reach out to us and I can give you more details about that. But for the public, for anybody, we're going to have Peter and Donna Falsquay They're from Kenya. Uh, they're followers of Andrew Womack. That's how we met them. through Uh, the ministries but uh beginning at 12 through through 5 we're going to have peter and donna with us we're going to have lunch is going to be provided uh some of the light lunch but we're still going to have lunch and uh that will be provided we'll have a time of worship with that involved and we're going to have some good teaching as peter talks to us about discovering their identity okay that's open to the public we will be live streaming it here on facebook and uh, we will also be putting it on our website as well as well as YouTube. Everything, everything we teach is on our website as well as YouTube. Um, uh, we won't be doing the worship because for, of for copyright reasons. We don't archive, we don't uh, live stream and record that. But uh, uh, we do. We will have a. We do have a playlist every week. If you ever go to our live stream page, uh, we have a playlist of uh, the, the most current Sundays uh, playlist for worship. We have it there couple different places on our website. I update that every week. But uh, I will have a special playlist uh, uh, for this event uh, somewhere uh, on there. I'll put it on there. So all the songs that we do next Saturday afternoon, I will have them on a playlist that you can specifically go and watch and listen to on your own. OK. Hopefully that makes sense with that. Uh, but anyway, uh, feel free to join us. Uh, it's going to be a good time of teaching uh, with uh, Peter and Donna. And, uh, and so anyway, we look forward to that next week. Uh, also, too, I just want to announce, too, with our LEO discipleship Program. We're doing something, I'm working on something right now. Uh, I was hoping to have a, uh, be able to launch it already, but I'm hoping to be able to launch it this week. But uh, we're, we're not getting a lot of attendance here uh, locally. A lot of that has to do with commutes and uh, just the timing and whatnot. I'm working on getting all the classes in a way where we can have them on our website, and uh, to, with uh, there'll be a password. Hopefully, they get in there. I'm still working on the details and all the logistics of that. Um, I need. To, I'm working with our our hosts for our website and working out a couple of bugs that I'm trying to get fixed. But my my heart is that if you are interested, especially if you're here locally, uh, we're going to have something on our website very soon. We'll hopefully you can Watch all the classes that we offer here in our discipleship program on your own. Uh, you have your own page and they'll be available on our website. Uh, we're working out all the logistics, so I don't have the details to give to you right now, but I'm I just throwing this out there as a filler for two things. One, to let you know that's what we're working on. Two, also, if you're interested or even think you might be interested, go ahead and start reaching out. There and once we have information, we will make sure you know. And uh, more more details will be coming and announcements as we get this to be able to launch. Uh, but uh, we have had a, a, a handful of people, uh, maybe over the last couple of years for that matter, who are interested, but they just can't make it here. And so, uh, and so we're trying to, it's not about coming here, it's about getting the message. It's about being discipled. And uh, that's what we're about. And if we can get it. Uh, to you, versus that you're giving to us, uh, and, that's, and that's a win-win for us, and uh, anyway, more more to come on that, so let's go ahead and get our message this morning, uh, we're talking about the essence of spiritual maturity, I think this might be in our 7th week, I'm not sure if I'll finish up today, or uh, possibly next week, uh, depending on how well I do today, but with that in mind, let's go ahead and go to our main text, in uh, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 40. <coughs> it says, And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, the hundred, uh, the crowd that was there, saying, Be saved for the perverse generation, from this, per- this perverse generation. And then those gladly received his word were baptized in that day. <coughs> <laughs> Excuse me, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued to step in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and breaking the bread, and in prayers. Again, uh, the, the context scene that we're reading is that the day of Pentecost is the birthing of the church. Uh, there was 120 originally in the upper room. Uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter began to preach the Gospel, and 3,000 responded to that first message. And now we have 3,120 new born-again believers for the first time in the history of the church. And uh, these 3,120, the very first believers that represented the church, committed, committed, continue steadfastly in four areas, and that's in the Apostles' Doctrine, and the Fellowship, in, uh, breaking the bread and in prayers. We spent the last few weeks talking about the first three elements of that, uh, Apostles' Doctrine and to uh, Fellowship and Breaking the Bread. I'm going to go in today, which I kind of did last week, but I'm going to re- redo some things from last week, and uh, talk about prayer. And we're gonna there's, there's a lot I could talk about prayer. There's a, that's a huge subject. That's what our Bible study on Saturday night is mainly about. And so, uh, but I, even though there's a lot of things I can talk about prayer, I'm going to focus my teaching, Lord willing, and uh, as the Holy Spirit would hopefully lead me, in, in regards to our maturity, and as far as to our growth, in connection with the other three things that we've already talked about. Uh, continuing in the Apostles' Doctrine, the New Testament, continuing in fellowship, and in and, and, and the breaking of bread, which has a lot to do about covenant which I've talked about the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I, you know, with that in mind, you know, even as we're talking about the Apostles' Doctrine, and as uh, we're talking about that, I just know in my own life that when I began to understand the New Testament, and I began to understand the Gospel, and I began to discover that there are specific things that Jesus taught his disciples, and as he taught his disciples, he instructed them to teach others. And one of those things, among other things, he taught his disciples his prayer. And we're going to get into that again in just a few moments. But also as I grew and matured in my relationship with God, I also began to fellowship with the body of Christ. And as we got together as the body of Christ in different circles, in different formats, in different settings, we, among other things, we began to pray for one another. We began to encourage one another. And we began to see people not just being encouraged, but also people being healed and set free and ministered to in a very profound way. And uh, as I also continued, and this goes with both of those, but as I began to break bread with one another and have communion, which all has to do with covenant with God. And because I have a covenant with God, I can have a covenant relationship with others. But as I began to do both of these things, I began to understand God's covenant. When I prayed for one another, when I prayed for myself, understanding the New Testament, understanding the Apostles' Doctrine, understanding God's covenant and God's relationship as the body of Christ, things began to happen. And as I prayed, and as we prayed, we began to see results. And we, as we did all four of these things collectively, being grounded and established in the apostles' doctrine, being faithful in our fellowship with one another, being faithful and, and being reminded daily at the Lord's table of his body that was broken for us and his his blood uh, the blood of his covenant. And as we began to faithfully pray and see things happen, we, I began to grow. I began to mature. These things in and of themselves were not the source of my growth. My source of my growth was Jesus and God in me, His Word in me. But these things help facilitate that growth. Just being in the the Word, (coughs) maturing in the Word, maturing in my fellowship as a body of Christ, maturing in my covenant relationship with God and one another. And that, with all of that combined, my prayers began to mature. My prayers began to grow. And, and, and as I saw, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. But also when I saw my faith in action, and I saw things begin to happen, I also began to grow. You know, even as a child sometimes, we, 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 we uh, Sherry's babysitting her nephew, that's a little over a year old. And you know, he's starting to learn, he's just starting to walk different things, he's still, he's exploring things, and once he learns something new, he knows how to do that, and he's learning things new every day, some things good, some things maybe not so much, maybe it's not the right time, you know, once he learns how to get in the cupboards, all the pans and pots come flying out, you know, he learns some things, you know, he's exploring, but sometimes there's some cleanup mess to do afterwards, you know. but he's learning things, he's, learn- he's still learning how to talk, he's still learning how to walk, uh, he's still learning things. He's observing things. But as he grows, he's going to mature. But one day he's going to grow up. He's going to grow up as a young man. And one day he's going to have a family. One day he's going to be a husband and a father and different things. And uh, it's cute when he's small throwing pots and pans out of the cupboard uh, somewhat. Sometimes it's not so cute. Because <laughs> you know, we got to clean it up and it's loud and noisy and now we got to wash all the dishes. But, uh, but it, uh, as an adult, 21 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years—he's still going that crawling around, throwing pots and pans all the cupboards. That's not so cute. But as he's growing up, and he's grown, he's growing in his relationship with God, he's growing in his relationship with other people, not being so self-focused, but also ministering to one another. He's growing his covenant relationship with God and with others, and he's learning how to pray to to, to for this what we call Christianity to work. And be powerful and be effective. Uh, all of that put together, there's going to be growth. And I'm just using him as an example, uh, you know, but uh, as we grow these things, as we, you know, in other words, let's reverse it. If we don't continue in the apostles' doctrine, we're not going to grow. If we don't fellowship and we isolate ourselves, we're not going to grow. If we don't continue in breaking bread with others, not just in the meal, but in a covenant relationship with God first and also one another, we're not going to grow. And if we're not praying, if we don't know how to pray, if we don't know how to, to exercise everything we're learning and, 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 and see this, His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as in heaven, we're also not going to grow. We're not going to see a growth. There's going to be a level of immaturity. There might be a level of growth to a certain respect, back the fact that we're born again. And there is growth just in that. But we don't want to just be born again. That is the core. That is more, the most important part. Um, but at the same point in time, we want to mature. We want to grow. And we want to be the light of the world. The salt of the earth. We want to be a blessing. We want to see things happen. We are kingdom priests. And hey, we're like kingdom priests. But we don't know how to work this thing. We, we be, we've been given the keys of the kingdom. But we don't know how to operate the kingdom. We need to grow and mature so we can see the kingdom of God operate in our lives, in our families, in our nation, in our world. Uh, but we need to learn, we need to grow, and we need to mature. that making sense? Okay, based on that, let's uh, go ahead and go to, uh, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll start with verse 9. And as you're turning, I'm just going to say some things out of Luke's uh, version. Uh, for sake of time, I'm not going to have you turn to Luke first. But in Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke talks about the Lord's Prayer too, and that's where we're going going to the. Um, and actually, we're going to start verse 8 in Luke, uh, Matthew 6. But uh, in Luke, uh, we see this recorded in Luke's so where we don't see this recorded in Matthew's, where the disciples asked Jesus, "Lord, teach us to pray." Lord, teach us to pray. When you think about it. These disciples, these 12, were the most intimate followers of Jesus and his earthly ministry. They were the most committed followers at that time and at that season. And they, these most committed and intimate followers of Jesus in his earthly ministry asked their master, their teacher, Lord, teach us how to pray. Obviously, they've seen Jesus pray. And they've seen the results of him praying. They wanted to learn how to pray, just like a toddler. It's going to, especially when uh, uh, her nephew becomes grows up. Uh, he's going to start asking how to do this and how to do that and how to do this because he's going to see his parents. He's going to see his aunt and other people doing things, and he's going to want to learn know how to do that too. Well, we're. Jesus' followers were following Jesus, and they were. They saw him praying, they saw results. They wanted to learn how to pray. They wanted to learn how to see the results that Jesus was seeing. Uh, it says also that John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Therefore, we as disciples, as we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, and breaking the bread, we need to learn how to pray. And we need to learn uh, how to pray effectively, and so, and I believe if they needed to ask and learn how to pray, we need to learn how to pray. Uh, and so, there's some uh, not that there's so much a wrong way to pray in the sense there can be, but there's a better way to pray. And there's a pray, pray that there's ways to pray that are not effective, and there's ways to pray that are effective. But with that in mind, we have in Matthew chapter six, starting verse eight. Jesus says this. Therefore. Do not be like them. He's talking about the public I mean, the, the religious people. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So we, before we even get into talking about the Lord's Prayer, which is a model prayer, uh, well, I'll get back into some of that in, in a minute. The first thing that Jesus says: Your father knows what you need before you even ask. <clears throat> you know that always puzzled me growing up. I know I mentioned something along this line last week, but if God knows what we need before we pray, then why do we need to ask If He already knows what we need, why why do we have to go through this whole exercise of asking? And I believe one one of the main reasons, and I'm not sure this is the only reason, but I believe God is about a relationship with us. He's not, He wants to answer our prayers, yes, because He's a good daddy. But He's not interested just in answering our prayers just for the sake of answering our prayers. He wants to build a relationship with us. He wants us involved. Yes, it's by His grace, it's not by our performance, but the God, our Daddy, wants us to participate. Uh, Obviously, it's not us, we can't make our prayers answered, but He wants us to participate, and He has ordained prayer. As one of those avenues by which we ask. And uh, the things that we need. uh, uh, It's just the way God has done it. But I believe the main thing that God is after is a relationship. We see this through the cross. We were alienated from God because of sin. Jesus came. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. Jesus came... To reconcile us back to God so we could be in relationship with God. Without the cross, we could not be in a relationship with God that was intimate and close. We were distant from God without the cross. Jesus Jesus did everything possible. He went to the cross. He died. He did the ultimate. He did everything. Uh, He stepped down from heaven to, to die for us so that we could have a relationship with God. Now that we have that relationship with God, it's not just God being a genie in the bottle where we rub it right and we have three wishes type of thing. No, God. now that God has made a relationship with us, he's gone through the, the, the most ultimate extreme to make a relationship with us. And now that he's done that, that extreme, he's not going to be all of a sudden impersonable. Where he's way up there and we're here and we got to jump through these hoops hoops to do it. There's, there's a key to the Kingdom. It's almost like sometimes on the, our computers and our, our iPads. Sometimes if we don't do it right, it doesn't work. There's a code. There's a, there's a procedure. And part of the way that the Kingdom of God works is that we need to ask. And we, uh, we need to pray. Um, he already knows what we need, so we're not here... When we're talking about prayer, we're not telling God about our problem, because he already knows the problem. But we're telling our problem about our God. There's a big difference there. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to learn that as we go forward. But, but we, uh, God wants to, and that's one thing I want us to remember about all this that we're talking about. If we talk about grace, we talk about healing, we talk about prosperity, we talk about wisdom. But we don't want just healing and not the healer. We don't want just salvation and not the Savior. We don't want prosperity or provision and not the provider. We don't want wisdom and the God of all wisdom. We want a relationship with God. And out of that relationship, yes, we want it to work and we want things to happen. And we want the kingdom of God to be established in our hearts and in our lives and in our world so that we can be effective. Is that making sense? But we we can never lose sight of relationship. We are not in a religion. We are in a relationship with God, and everything flows out of that. We learned this through the apostles' doctrine. We've learned this through fellowship with God and with one another. It's all about relationship because of the cross. But now that the cross, but the cross, and we are a child of the King. <coughs> <clears throat> we are in a relationship with God. We have authority when we pray. And, and Jesus prayed. Jesus at times, not all the time, so don't get down to your doctrine, and it has to be every time we spend a whole night in prayer, but there were times where Jesus would spend a whole night in prayer. <clears throat> yes, I believe part of that prayer was uh, at times perhaps petitioning things, but I believe a lot of that prayer was just a simply Jesus having a relationship with His Father. He, son, Father and Son, were just hanging out and spending time together. Yes, there there, there might be some requests, and the, and the Father's obviously giving the Son's direction. But it's it's a it's a dialogue, not a monologue. And our relationship with God needs to be a dialogue. It's a two-way conversation. It's koinonia. It's fellowship. It's a relationship, not just a religious mechanism that we're doing. That making sense? Okay. So let's start getting into some of this. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, Jesus saying, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just want to stop there for a moment. Just the fact that Jesus used the word Father. you got to think about this. Up to this time in Jewish history, you know, when Jesus comes on the scene, all the Jews know is the Old Testament. The cross, even up to this point, the cross hasn't even happened yet. And the cross doesn't happen in Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. I mean, excuse me, I said that wrong. The, the New Covenant doesn't begin at Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. <coughs> the new covenant begins at the cross. Without the cross, there is no covenant. And so um, we, we just finished talking about breaking the bread, which has to do with covenant. But in this new covenant that Jesus is introducing us to, and even though the new covenant hadn't necessarily been ushered in yet, so he so you can just imagine Jesus is turning the religious minds upside down. Are right side up. He is introducing a whole new relationship with God that nobody up to this point had ever even fathomed, or even conceived, or even thought about. No one up to this point had ever called God Father. He was always just God and or Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah. There was some other names for him, but Father was not on the list. Father, it was never—it was never even a concept in their religious minds that God was their father. Anytime they thought of father, they thought of Abraham. They thought of other things, and I'm not going to go in that direction. But hopefully, I making sense. And but this goes with what I was just talking about a relationship with God—that God is bringing, Jesus is bringing prayer into a whole new level of relationship. That He's not just a God. Yes, he's our creator. And yes, he's God. But sometimes even when we think about him being our creator and our God, sometimes we can get the perception that God's way out there, distant, he's not even in this world, he's not somewhere eternal, uh uh, what not in heaven, on his throne. But when we think of him as Father, it takes it to another intimate level. Just Him being our God. Yes, He is our God, don't get me wrong. But I I want to encourage us to to think as our God, as our Daddy, our Abba, Father. And we, in that way, even, even just as we approach God, our Father, in that context, in that mindset, it takes it to a whole new level of relationship. Uh, that we are going to come, and we are going to pray. Let's move to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is. Not not that it isn't going to be, but that, that it is in heaven. I just want to comment on this for a moment. I made some comments last week how some people believe in the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of everything, and whatever will be, will be. I believe that God is sovereign, but in the true definition of what sovereign means. God is not micromanaging every single thing. For example, I believe that Queen Elizabeth is queen over England. She, and because she's queen, she is so- sovereign over that nation. But Queen Elizabeth is not micromanaging every single thing that happens in every single home, in every single life. Uh, she's not ultimately in control of every single detail. She is sovereign, and she has authority, and she has a, 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 a queenship. If I'm, if I'm using that word right, it's not a king, she's a queen but at the same point in time, but you understand my, my connotation there. God is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, God has ordained prayer. God has delegated authority to us to pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it already is. That's profound, if you think about it. God is sovereign, but in His sovereignty, He has delegated us the responsibility and the authority to declare and to proclaim that God's kingdom be done on this earth as it already is being done in heaven. In other words, God's sovereignty, God's will is not just automatic. We need to pray it. We need to, uh, we need to, uh, we're going to get into it, but he's given us the keys of the kingdom. Keys lock and unlock. There's some other verses we're going to get into that we've been given authority to loose some things and to bind some things. We've been given authority to pray his kingdom come and his will be done. It's not that His will could be done. Or, Lord, we pray. We hope. We just hope. Hope Your kingdom will come and will be done. No, we're praying. We are declaring by the authority of the cross and as a child of the King. And He is in Revelation five ten. It says that we have been we by the blood of God by His blood has made us to be kings and priests in the earth. We have kingdom authority. He is the great king. He is the king of all kings. But we have king and priestly authority to proclaim God's kingdom come and God's will be done. I don't know, it might be a year ago now, but I did a message on the the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is now. And the kingdom of God is within us. And we have authority as the church of the living God... To proclaim God's kingdom be done on earth as it would happen. When sickness is rampant in our lives, or a disease, cancer, is controlling our lives, in that instance, God's kingdom is not reigning. But when we lay hands on the sick, someone who does have one of the sicknesses or diseases that we I just named, and they get healed in that instance, in that situation, God's kingdom is reigning. When we are lost, and we, we, we are, we're, uh, when there's strife and envy and backbiting and divorce and all kinds of, of ugly relationship things happening, division, discord, in those instances, God's kingdom is not waiting. <clears throat> but when we love one another, forgive one another, are compassionate and merciful to one another. In those instances, God's kingdom is reigning. We have the authority to proclaim when so a life is a life is broken and lost and living in sin and addiction of various kinds. It doesn't have a relationship with God, but the gospel is preached. They receive the gospel. It begins to transform their lives. It begins to restore everything that's broken and lost and dead. In that instance, God's kingdom is reigning. We have the authority to proclaim that kingdom of God is here. When Jesus sent out the two, he sent out the twelve. He sent out the seventy. He sent them out like the twos. He told them, "Go proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here." Why? Because the kingdom of God is within us. When. And we're in chapter 2 of Acts chapter 2, that's what we've been reading the last few weeks. But in Acts chapter 3 we have Peter and John coming to the temple at the hour of prayer. I don't think that we have to have a specific hour, but at least they had a a regular habit of praying. There was a rhythm that they had that they were following. And that's all that they're teaching, I'm not going to get into all that right now. But they came to the man who who, who needed the healing. He was begging for alms, and he said, "Silver." They said, "Silver and gold, we have not, but what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk." And he walked. In that instant, in that man's life, he thought he needed money, but he needed to be healed. However long he's been like that, maybe he's been—I forget how long he's been like that—but he needed to be healed. In that instant, the kingdom of God was radiant, and so we have authority by only to pray it, that we're asking God to do it, but we have authority to proclaim and to order that God's kingdom will be be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's awesome. Why? Because he's our daddy, and we are his kids. And we've been inaugurated by the blood of Jesus to be kings and priests that we would reign on the earth, as in Revelation 5.10. We are sitting together with God on his side. You know, we're sitting on our daddy's lap on his throne. A throne is where the king has authority. A throne is where the king is ruling his kingdom. And we're sitting with our daddy on his lap, and we can proclaim God's kingdom done, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not automatic if we don't pray it. It's not automatic if we don't proclaim it. But we can proclaim it, and we can authorize that. Does that make any sense? Um, okay. Let's, let's, I want to move forward just for a of time, let's go to verse 13 and we pray and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours God is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever Amen God is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever But although it's God's kingdom, it's not our kingdom, it's His kingdom, we have the authority to use that kingdom. Go with me real quick to Matthew chapter 16. I've been quoting this already, but I just want to have us turn that. Matthew 16, we'll pick up verse 19. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, he said, and Jesus said, I will give you the keys of what? The kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, could be, should be, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's authority. It's his kingdom. But God says I give you the keys. You know, growing up, when I'm, trying to, when I'm getting my license, and I, don't, I didn't have a car yet, but when I remember in that season of learning how to drive, and even right after I got my license, I didn't have my own car, it always, it always thrilled me when my parents gave me the keys. They go drive. Even if they were coming along, I, I, I it got thrilled that I was able to drive, because I like driving. You know? Uh, but when you have keys, you can do something. You know? He, and, uh, I can take, you take this a lot of ways. I've had jobs where I've been given keys of the kingdom. Of the keys of that kingdom, anyway. I remember one time I was working at Brea Community Center. They have a, this whole huge multi-million dollar building that they built. I remember having a lot of keys to that building. I remember walking and closing up and unlocking things for different responsibilities that I had. I just remember thinking in those days how I was trusted to have keys to this multi-millionaire, million dollar building that they constructed. And they entrusted me with keys. To operate at them. I've had other jobs, retail jobs, where I had keys to unlock, to lock it, to set off the alarm, to set the alarm. In each of those instances, I just felt it would be an honor that I'm trusted with keys. Other people didn't have it for different reasons, not looking down at them, but I got keys and I've been trusted with it. I don't know about you, but I just, that was always an honor to have that. But I also knew I had a responsibility with that. I couldn't misuse those keys, I just couldn't just hand them out. I couldn't lose those keys. Uh, when I worked at a bank, I, was, I had keys to my drawer, I had key, keys to uh, different things that I, I was given responsibility for. One day, I forgot my keys. That, wasn't, that, that didn't go so well, because I can't do anything. Uh, even though I was at work at time, in one sense, I wasn't at work at time, because I was there physically. But I didn't have my keys. And I, without my keys, I can't do my job. So I had to go home, which actually was across the street, so at least it wasn't that far. But by the time I went across the street and come back with my keys, I'm late and I'm tardy. Good, I can't do anything. It, doesn't look, it didn't look good in the boss's eyes that I forgot my keys. I was given those keys not so they could sit in my dresser at home. I was given those keys, uh, when I came to work, I could use those keys and work. Because the, mo- the moment, the, at the time that I took to go home to give those keys, I'm not working. They're one, they have one less teller uh, for the customers and uh, different and things. Uh, I'm just using this as illustrations. But we, ha- God says, I have given you keys to the kingdom. That is huge. We're talking about the kingdom of all kings. I'm not just talking about the Kingdom of England or, or, back in the day, the keys to the Roman Empire or the keys to Alexander the Great, his empire, and different things. I'm not just talking about, we've had some pretty big kingdoms through the, through the ages and through the years. We even have, today, we have some big, we might not talk about kingdoms so much, but we have nations, but we also have big uh, businesses or, or enterprises or whatnot. And having the keys to run that whole enterprise and whatnot, God's kingdom is the kingdom of all kingdoms. He's the one that created everything. And he's the one, in God's kingdom there's healing if you need it. There's provision if you need it. Whatever you need is in that kingdom. And God said that we have the keys of the kingdom. All we have to do is use them. All oh, we have, we have the keys, and these keys that we've been given, <coughs> they will bind whatever we bound, and they will lose whatever we lose. That's huge. And where do we do that? In prayer, among some other things. But prayer is not again, prayer is not just a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue, and prayer is also uh, laying hands on the sick and seeing. We're not asking God to do something. God, in his sovereignty, because of the cross, because he has redeemed us as sons, as kings and priests, (coughs) yes, we're sons and daughters too. But because he has given he has inaugurated us as kings and priests, he gave us the keys, God gave us the authority to bind and loose things. And until we use our authority. Until we use our keys, some things are not going to be bound, and some things are not going to be loose, like they should. Is that making sense? See, when we understand the apostles' doctrine, we understand the covenant relationship with God, we understand God's Word. And God's Word has, is a covenant. God has bound Himself to His Word. God cannot, will not break His Word. And His Word also includes that God has given us keys To bind some things and to lose some things. God has delegated by his word, by his covenant, he has delegated some things to us to do. So in one sense, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us to use our authority to operate the kingdom of God. And proclaim the kingdom of God is here. We have authority. In prayer, we have authority with these keys to bind some things and to loose some things. That's profound. If we will think about that, if we will meditate on that, and we will begin to appropriate what I'm talking about, we're going to take prayer and this whole relationship with God to a new level. Jesus said this way You will do greater things than I ever did because I go to. He's going to the Father because he finished the work in restoring this relationship with us and giving us the keys of his kingdom. No other age, the church age, is a very profound age. No other age has a finished work of the cross. No other age has the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. The gospel, Paul said it this way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We have that power. We have that God, the same power that God had, that Christ had been raised from the dead. We have that power. And we have the keys of God's keys we have the finished work of the cross, which is our authority. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is our anointing. And God has anointed us to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. God, The Spirit of God is upon us to do great things in the kingdom of God. To do great things in this earth. Because we, uh, we have been given the keys. And it's learning the apostles doctrine it's learning a covenant relationship with god that we learn how to use these keys we learn how these keys are supposed to operate we can't it's not just praying it's praying and also as we continue to step faster in the apostles doctrine and everything i'm trying to describe is all what it's all about maturity Of brain cells idea. He has everything he has. Yes, he's fearfully wonderfully we made. We're all unique and we all have different giftings and talents, but he has all the same muscles and everything I do. He can't use some of those muscles yet because he hasn't learned to develop those. He hasn't matured in a, in a way where he can use those. We have the same power that Jesus had. We have the same ability that Jesus had because he is in us. And we have his kingdom. And we have the keys of that kingdom. And we have the Holy Spirit. And we have our sons and daughters. of him. He's our father. We are his child. But when we learn through the apostles' doctrine. And to fellowship. And to breaking the breaking of bread. About this relationship. This covenant relationship with God. We understand these kingdoms. Now. As we mature and grow and become established and nurtured in that relationship with god we it's now time to use what we have it's now time to lay hands on the sick and speak life and minister and that his kingdom comes his will be done that authority doesn't come that authority has already been given to us in christ you know sometimes when i get a new job just because I have the keys, just because I have the passwords and the passcodes, sometimes I haven't learned how to do that job yet. And I have to learn the skills. I have to learn the protocol. I have to learn uh, how to use the the, the the systems that they have developed. I have to learn the basics. So once I have the authority, but until I know how to use that authority, I'm, I'm not, I can't be effective. I can't do anything with it. But once I learn how to do and I've been given the passcodes. Now it's my responsibility to go do the job and do it well. And that's as we grow and as we mature, now we learn how to use these keys to do what God has ordained us to do by his word. Now, making sense, okay, a lot of different things, but I'm trying to bring everything together here as we go forward. Let me bring another verse here, and kind of goes with what we're talking about here. Luke chapter twelve. Remember earlier when I had us go to Matthew six, it was about the Lord's prayer. I didn't have us go to Luke's version of the Lord's prayer, which is in Matthew, uh, which is in Luke chapter eleven. And Luke, Luke records the Lord's prayer in Luke chapter eleven. Well, we're here in Luke chapter twelve. 12 follows 11. So, in context, Jesus is still talking in one sense about prayer, and he makes this statement, though. You uh, know, amongst some other things that he's also talked about. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, every time I hear those words, it's my Father, you know, it's your Father's. That's personal. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's awesome. Your daddy, your Abba Father, has given you the kingdom. We, we're not trying to get the kingdom. We're not trying to. We already have the kingdom. It's in us. It's within us. There's another scripture I don't have in my notes. But Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. It's on the inside. And we have the keys of that kingdom. We have a covenant relationship with God. And as we continue steadfastly, just because we learn the apostles' doctrine, just because we learn covenant, just because we learn how to pray, we need to continue steadfastly in all these things be reminded, uh, any job, you know, some of the jobs I used to know used to do it very well, I can't do them anymore unless I get retrained because I don't know how to do that job anymore. I don't do that job anymore. I've been disconnected with that job. I've, 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 I've gotten of routine of that job. Uh, I would have to relearn how to use their, their computers and their systems and, and whatnot. And probably by now some of those things probably haven't even changed with technology. I would have to relearn some of those things. We need to be reminded. We need to be refreshed continually in the Apostles' doctrine of fellowship and breaking of bread so that we know how to use the kingdom that we've been given. God's kingdom hasn't changed. God's kingdom will never change. It's the same 7,000 years ago as it is today. Uh, uh, God's kingdom, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the one who was and who is and who is to come. God doesn't change. His kingdom hasn't changed. We are in a new covenant, yes. But God's kingdom hasn't changed. Uh, we are in a new covenant relationship. But we just need to learn that we have it. We're not trying to get it. We have it. We need to be continued steadfastly so we can continue to be mature and to grow and know how to use the kingdom of God's kingdom. It's always gonna come into full circle when I start talking about prayer. And I am talking about prayer. We understand prayer. Prayer is not begging God. Prayer is not pleading with God. Prayer is putting what God has provided into action. Uh, that makes sense. It comes out of a relationship with God. Um, all right. Let's go to one more. Matthew 18. And we'll pick it up in verse 18. So Matthew 18:18. 18, 18. Now, some of you know your Bible a little bit. In Matthew 18, in context, Jesus is talking about church discipline. And most of us know this, this passage. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. He talks about it in Galatians as well. Uh, but Jesus is talking about it here in Matthew 18. Now, uh, this chapter also, uh, I have some other... Uh, I want to do summaries of this chapter. Yes, he's talking about church discipline, but he's also talking about forgiveness. He's also talking about reading this passage about mercy. Uh, you know, when I talk about church discipline, he's talking just before the, the, the three verses or so just before it. He talks about how if someone offends you, you go make it right with that person. If that doesn't work, then you get someone else, kind of a mediator, to help make it right. That's in the works, and then you get the whole church involved. And that is right, and and, and, and the fourth level, which is turning them over to Satan. I'm not going to go into all that detail. It's not to, it's not to condemn people, it's to help break uh, the power of sin and the people's life. Christ has already redeemed us from the the curse of the law. God Christ has already came sin and knelt to the cross. But sin can still be dangerous uh, if I still play with it. It's not going to destroy this relationship, but it's going to destroy other relationships. But anyway, I'm not going to go into all that teaching right now, that's another teaching. But it's in the midst of this talking about and then, uh, and then at the end of what he's get, we're going to read here, uh, Peter, uh, he, he's always a spokesperson for the disciples, he always speaks up. He says, Lord, so, so in context, Peter's saying, if so if someone offends me, do I forgive them seven times, or uh, seventy times? You know, he, he's asking a question. He thinks he, he's being very spiritual by forgiving someone 70 times. And Jesus is not 7, it's 70 times 7 in a day. In other words, we are to continuing endlessly forgive people. Even if they keep doing the same thing against us. And then he goes into the parable of the unmerciful servant, who uh, is a parable of how God has forgiven us. Because God has forgiven us, we can forgive one another. If we don't forgive one another, then we haven't understood God's forgiveness of us. And I'm not talking about forgiveness right now. I'm not even talking about relationships right now. Back, back until that kind of and some of t- the other topics we talked about fellowship and breaking of bread and our covenant relationship. But I, I just want you to understand the context of what he's talking about a little bit. But in the middle of this context, Jesus says this As Surely I say to you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose, on, uh, excuse me, sorry about that, on earth will be loose in heaven. Again I say to you, so this is not the first time he's saying this, he says before, but again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, and they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, but where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in this Now, you know, we've we, we used, uh, through the years, I don't know about you, but I've used this passage of Scripture all the time and talk about prayer, especially verses 19, that if we ask anything, it will be done for my by my by my Father in heaven. And where two or more gather in my name, there I am. And that has a lot to do with prayer. And we can use that. We can, a lot of times we've taken that out of context and use it for prayer, and it applies. Yes, where two or more gather and pray, He is there, and that is totally true. But he's also, in the, in, the, in the context, he's talking about a conflict between individuals. Well, there's, there's strife, there's a problem, there's, there's, a, there's a disconnect, there, there, there's been an offense taking place. And Andrew Womack, in his commentary, as he's talking about this verse, he says, the verse is supposed to be used in many ways exactly how we, we've interpreted it. We come together in prayer, and we're we, 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 two or more gather. God's there. When we have agreement, because he also said that whatever we, we just read it earlier, and God's given us the keys of the kingdom, that <coughs> whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We read that earlier just in, in, uh, in another passage, I think it was Matthew 16 that we were at. Uh, so, so this is not the first time Jesus mentions this. But in context, you know, in context he's talking about division and strife, and, and sometimes in our relationship because of friends. Andrew, in his commentary, says that when, although we're supposed to use this in a positive way, when people gossip, when people don't pray for one another, when people don't do what they're supposed to do as the church and as the body of Christ, then this can actually be done in reverse order. We can actually, when we gossip and we come in agreement, in that gossip, in that rumor, and hearsay, whatever that may be, we are actually doing what Jesus is saying in reverse order. I mean, you know the power, the power of power, life and death in the top. And when we come in agreement, negative about one another, and strife and envy and gossip, we can actually loose this, the devil, and we can actually bind what God wants to do. We can do it in reverse order that God wants us to do. Same thing when we don't pray for one another. We don't minister to one another in prayer. Which is actually, when we don't pray for one another, that's the fourth step in church discipline. The the, the turning someone over to Satan means we stop praying for them. We stop ministering them. Why? Because we want someone who's in that stage, someone who, and Paul did this in Corinthians with the man who was sleeping with his mother-in-law. He wasn't being repentant so he in a sense turned him over to satan for the destruction of his flesh not the destruction of his his, his life but destruction of his flesh so he, but because of the lack of fellowship and the lack of prayer that god has ordained for his church hopefully he would he would he, he would turn his heart and be repentant and want to restore in the second corinthians chapter two paul paul says now that the man has been repentant now it's our job as a church to restore this man reaffirm this man so that he wouldn't be overcome by the enemy paul talks about this in galatians 6 that when someone falls we who are spiritual are to restore one another gently we are to do good to all people especially to the family of god again i'm not trying to talk about church discipline and, and reconciliation right now but this goes with What we've been talking about, and the church has continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship and breaking of bread, which is covenant with God and covenant with one another, we can't understand forgiveness and reconciling one another. We don't understand God has first reconciled with us. But also in prayer. And the church is supposed to come together in, in agreement. If, if the enemy's doing things in our life, we are to bind the enemy and we are to loose God's blessing and God's grace and God's healing and God's whatever we need to bless one another. But when we as a church come together and gossip and rumor, we are actually doing that in reverse order. Even though I said that, that's not really the scope of my message today. I'm talking about maturity, I'm talking about prayer. But the the, the, the the reverse can also be powerful in a negative way. But I want to bring this in a positive way because that's the way it's been intended. That we we have the keys of God's kingdom and we are to bind some things and we are to loose some things. If my brother has offended me, I want to find what the enemy is doing in their heart and their life, and I want to loose God's mercy and God's grace and God's forgiveness, even if I have to do it 70 times 7 in one day, I want to release God's mercy and God's grace in their life, not offense. That makes sense? It applies to other areas about healing and, and provision, but in context he's talking about, a division in the body. And God is about restoring and reconciling things. And I, I don't want to curse my brother. I want to bless him. The, the, the God's covenant to Abraham said, that you are blessed to be a blessing to many. To be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And whoever, whoever uh, curses you, I will curse. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. I don't, again, I'm not trying to go here, but how many know that when we bless one another, especially in the family of God, we are in a sense blessing ourselves. Because God said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And when we do negative to one another in the body of Christ, we are actually doing negative to ourselves. We might not see that, but we are actually binding the wrong thing and loosing the wrong thing. But I don't want to do that when people have offended when people have done things, I through prayer and through the keys of the kingdom God has given me, I want to come in agreement as the body of Christ to bind what the enemy is doing and release what God has already done, mercy and goodness and, uh, and whatnot. I want to, when I come together, and people come to me not negative about other people, I don't want to spread that gossip and that negative stuff. What do I want to do? I want to come together in agreement. And spread God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his blood and the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. that making sense? The food of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. Against the saying there is no law. The, the, James talks about this in James chapter 3. How can we, who think we worship God with our lips, but then we curse one another, brothers, these things ought not to be? In that, in that same context, in James 3, James says how the wisdom that's from uh, the earth is sensual, it's earthly, it's demonic. And then where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure. It's full of mercy. I'm not putting these in the right order. It's good. It's it's, it's peaceable. It's willing to be entreated. It's it's full of mercy and goodness without partiality, without hypocrisy. There's peace. And it yields the fruit of peace. And and, and it yields the the, the fruit of righteousness. I want to be I don't know about you, but I want the wisdom of God. I want God's kingdom to rule and to reign. If there's a brokenness in our relationship, or whatever it might be, it's not just about relationships, but that's what God's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about in this context. I want to restore. I want to bless. I don't want to promote envy and strife. I want to promote peace and reconciliation and whatnot. Um, Am I making sense? But, you know... There's another passage of scripture where Jesus says if you have a offense you with your brother, lay your gift down, go make it right, and then come pick it back up again. There, there's another scripture, and let's go here real quick. Uh, I think it's Mark 11. This wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan on going expounding on this. But uh, I think it's Mark 11:24. 24. Let me find the context. Yeah, okay. Let's go here. If we're talking about prayer, I'm not getting as far as I wanted to today, but I suppose this is important. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. We're, gonna, we're actually going to towards the end of this series on this. This section, we're going to get there. I don't think we're going to get to today, but I'm here now. So we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, so, in other words, what I'm also trying to say is I'm going to spend more time on this a little bit later in our, in, our, in our series. But we're here now. But I don't know about you, but I've heard these two verses all my life about prayer. That we can speak to our mountain. We're not speaking to a God about our problem. We're speaking to our mountain about our God. And whatever we ask in prayer, we believe that we receive it. We will have it. We're going to spend some more time on that. But it's in the same context that we get to verse 25. First of all, verse 25 has a word, and. That's a conjunction. That means whatever he said here goes with whatever he said here. Because there's a conjunction, and. And whenever you stand, what? Pray. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. <clears throat> that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Your trespasses. But you do not forgive neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go through all this right now. We, I mean, you know, we are under grace. And there's some things that Jesus is saying here even before the cross. And there's a lot of things I can elaborate on here. But I want, I, want, I, want, I want to make mention here. I didn't so want to plan on spend so much time about this. Because I want to get to the good stuff. But I do want to make this because there's several times Jesus and Paul and James and other people make mention of this. How we treat one another can affect our prayers. It can affect it. And I need to make sure I have things right with one another. I mean, we've been talking about this in one sense. We're talking about the, the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayer. We've been talking about one, one another in fellowship. We've been talking about one another in our covenant relationship with God and our covenant relationship with each other. And when it comes up again in prayer. The early church understood the apostles' doctrine. And if you read uh, Paul's letters, Peter's letters, James' letters, John's letters, they talk uh, over a hundred times how we ought to relate to one another. And the Apostles' Doctrine talks a lot about a relationship with one another, I'm trying to get the prayer. <clears throat> That's right where I scum of my message. <clears throat> but how can we pray that God's Kingdom be done? His will be done on earth and heaven, and yet be in discord with one another? There's something wrong with that. How can we, as James says, who's one of the Apostles, who says, I praise God with my lips, but with my same lips I curse men, butters these things that makes sense? I don't want this to be a sour message. But, and I don't even mean to spend time here. In other words, I want to go back to Matthew real quick here, uh, because we've read this already. I, I said what I needed to be said here. My heart is, church, we need to find some things. And we need to lose some things. And we don't need to let the enemy get us distracted with us as a church fighting with one another, we need to be get, get in unity so that we can bind some things and lose some things at the church. But so many times the enemy has caused discord and division and even on on individual family and even church le- local church levels that we're so busy fighting with one another that we're not doing what God has ordained us to do and lose some things and preach the gospel and minister to one another. We're to wash one another's feet, not destroy one another, not get caught up in all this other lack of butter term, junk. That makes sense? And with all the junk set aside that I've just been talking about with Discord and stuff, we are to lose some things. We have been given keys of the kingdom not to devour one another, but to destroy one another. Let's go one more bit past the scripture real quick. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Go with me, verse 11. I want to get to uh, another part of this. I want to go through this a little fast. But in context here, hopefully you're following me. God has given us the fivefold ministry, apostles, pastors, teachers, etc. Okay? I know I didn't say those in order. To equip us to do what? To do the ministry of edifying the body of Christ. He wants us to all come to the unity of the faith, to grow up, to mature. He's talking about maturity. Early on in my message on this series, I talked about, I spent a lot of a time on this passage of Scripture, how we have to grow up in the head. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every one of doctrine, But speaking the truth in what love, that we all, not just me, not just you, but we all may grow up in all things into Him who is ahead. From whom the whole body is joined, knit together by every joint supplied, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth in the body for the edifying itself in love. In other words, God has organized the body to be to edify itself in love. That's what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter four. And then he makes some other things about the new man. Don't get dizzy with me as I as I as I scroll down a little bit. But he says, we are to so learn Christ as the truth is in Christ. We are to put off concerning our former conduct. Or the King James says, our former conversation of the old man. Why? The old man is dead. We are to be renewed in our spiritual minds. We are to put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. But then he gets to this part. Therefore, putting away lying lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down your wrath, Or give place to the the devil. Let him stall still no longer. But rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give to those who are in need. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification. That it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from your malice. For be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and as Christ has forgiven you. I just, again, I don't mean to spend so much time on this, but it goes with the prayer. We're going to get into this today We're going to talk about praying for one another. It's going to be hard to pray for one another, if we're fighting with one another. But you know, one one way to one way sometimes to break that, if maybe we do have a root of bitterness growing in our hearts, we don't want that, but we will try to, the best way sometimes to break that is start praying. Pray for those who have, uh, I mean, it goes with the Lord's, Lord's uh, let's go, actually, let's go back to Matthew 6 real quick. I'm sorry, I'm just going in a direction I wasn't planning on going, but I'm just going with the, I feel the Holy Spirit leading me right now. I know I'm having to jump all over Scripture right now. But uh, I, I, uh, I know that's good. But in, I didn't read verses 11 and 12. Give us day our daily bread and forgive us our death as what? We forgive our debtors. When Jesus is talking about prayer, he also was talking about how not only do we need to receive God's forgiveness, we need to forgive. So that his kingdom, we, we're not led into temptation which can include not just drugs and alcohol and immorality but can also include the one another. Has someone ever offended you and you just, in one sense, wanted to get them back or whatever the case may be, you know, that can be a temptation for some people. But we want his kingdom to come, his will to be done. Uh, as kingdom to reign in my life. I want God's kingdom to reign in my emotions. I want God's kingdom to reign in this church and this family. That's why we even made a sign in our house that says, mercy reigns in this house. Sometimes conflicts come, but we have to make a decision by the Spirit of God that mercy is going to reign. And we're going to pray for them. And we're going to minister to them as best as we can. And uh, uh, we're going to bind the enemy. and We're going to lose the kingdom of God. Okay. That makes sense? I didn't plan on spending so much time on that. Let's see why I'm having time. I got about 10 minutes left. Let's go one more passage of scripture and kind of switch gears a little bit here. First Corinthians chapter 3. We'll pick it up verse 6. We were talking about this recently with somebody in some kind com- of conversation. But it says, I planted, Paul speaking, Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I come back to that. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. I come back to verse 8. Paul says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You know, this, this is Paul, and I want to emphasize that because when if we just heard this phrase, that each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Some, those of us who don't understand grace long enough, we understand that it's not based on our performance. It's based on what Christ has done to the cross. Amen. But then we hear Paul saying that some our some our reward, whatever this reward is, is based on our labor. If it's not based on our we on our performance, why are we laboring to get a reward? That sounds like we're talking out both sides of our mouth that sounds like we're how, how can how can something be based on our based on our labor if we are if it's, if it's about god and not us how many of you know that we are laboring together with god we are laboring together uh, and th- i think it was here too um, another scripture here, so I don't have that with my notes, but we are laboring together with God. And as God has done the work through the cross, and it's by grace we are saved through faith. But as we are co-laborers with God, working together in God's field, we are God's field, and we are God's doing. But we are, uh, and, and we can see this just even in this context, that Paul planted Paul is watered water they were doing a work they were preaching the gospel they were he planted Paul planted the seed Paul watered that seed but God brought the increase they Paul and, and Apollos were partnering coinear with God in this process God didn't preach the gospel God told us to preach the gospel Paul planted it Paul Paul's watered that gospel they're co-laborers with God God gets all the credit, not Paul, not Apollos. God gets all the credit, but we are co-laborers with him. We are participating with him. It's the same with prayer. God gets the credit when our prayers get answered, but we are co-laborers with God. This whole whole Christianity is a co-labor relationship. We are involved. And when we are involved and we participate uh, with the rules and the laws of God's kingdom, There is going to be a reward. I I get that there's going to be rewards in heaven. There's going to be crowns and different things. I'm not talking about that. There's no time for that. But part of my reward as a pastor is when I see a life change, when I see a life transformed by the power of God and the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but that's a reward enough for me. When I see life change, when I see a life blessed because the power of God, the Word of God, uh, because I, I watered it, whether I was watering it or planting the seed, whatever part I had in it, or even if I didn't have any part, someone else did it. If I see a life change, that's a reward, according to our labor. God gets the increase. God gets the glory. But a life isn't changed. That's a reward. But if I'm not praying, if I'm not preaching, if I'm not laboring with God, there's not going to be any more. There's not going to be an increase. There's not going to... The, the seed has to be planted. Yes, we got to water, but God brings the increase. But God can't bring increase when we're not preaching, when we're not teaching, when we're not ministering, when we're not uh, doing anything. Instead, going back to what I just talked about, instead we're doing discord, or we're doing other things, or we're distracted by other... other. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's other sins that we're doing. Maybe we're... we're, we're defaming God's name because we got involved with an affair or something of that nature and we' are not we're trying to preach Christ with one side but we're messing, we're being a horrible example and we're making a mess of things because of our lifestyle. Um, the reward to that is going to be ugly. the reward of that is not going to be good. And so I'm not so much talking about that I'm trying to talk about prayer, but we are co-laboring with God as Paul did as a Pauls as an apostles did. that making sense? And as we do, there is a reward. Um, I was going to use an example of Cornelius. Cornelius went to go, Paul went to, I mean, Peter was instructed by God to go preach to Cornelius. And his whole household got saved. God has told us, men, women, to preach the gospel. God's not going to preach the gospel. God's already. We, but he gave us the responsibility to preach the gospel. The angels can't preach the gospel for us. The angel did tell Peter to go preach the gospel. But, the, but the God has not commissioned the angels to preach the gospel. He called us to go preach the gospel. He told us to go pray. But we, but we need to learn how to pray based on the apostles' doctrine and, and whatnot. Um, okay. I think that's all I want to do there. <clears throat> Let me just say, make a couple notes here. And I'm kind of wrapping up for today. See how far I get with this and then we'll pick up somewhere near here next week. See, I'm to switch gears a little here, but I'm going to tie this all again. All prayer involves faith in God and his word. All prayer involves faith in our covenant relationship with God. We spent two weeks talking about our covenant relationship with God. There's a lot more I can expound on that. But when we continue in the apostles' doctrine, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, uh, which is, uh, again, a reminder of God's covenant relationship with us, we grow in our faith. Where does faith come from? The word of God. And as we grow in this relationship, uh, Paul, Paul said it this way in Ephesians, that faith works by love. As we, if we're finding a deficiency in our faith, and how know I mean, we need faith when we're talking about prayer? We're not going to pray with faith. We're not going to pray with confidence if we don't believe that God's going to answer the prayer. If we don't believe that God, the prayer is going to work. The prayer is going to. If faith is not involved in prayer, there's going to be a disconnect. There's going to be a, a short. In the line, for example, I have power cords up here to, to work all this equipment. But if there's a short in one of the power cords, that cord is not going to work. There's going to be a disconnect. And when there's not faith involved when we're praying, we're going to see a disconnect in our prayers. We're going to when, when we come back next week, we're going to talk a lot about faith. I talk about a few other things that we're really everything I've been talking about up to this point is introduction to what i want to get to next so i hope they're making sense for this but we need to have faith involved in our prayers that means we have to have a relationship with that we need to be in the word to get faith to even be there we need when god says we lay hands on the sick and they will recover then we need to understand that when god says in the covenant and when god tells us to go lay hands on the sick and they will recover we need to believe god's word that when we lay hands on the sick they, not can recover, or should recover, they will recover. There needs to be faith involved. But we're going to have that, that faith is going to come from hearing God's word, but we need to trust God's word. Okay? See, I'm trying to tie this all back into maturity. Someone who's immature is not trusting God's word. Someone who's immature is someone who may not even be in God's word, might not have a relationship with God's word on a consistent, faithful, steadfast basis. They might be wishy-washy. They might be in and out. Uh, sometimes, immaturity. And Just because I use the word immaturity, I'm not putting anyone down. Her nephew, who's only a year and a half, is immature. I'm not putting him down. He's immature. He's going to have to mature and develop. Sometimes, I, some, some areas, and when it comes to to biblical things and theology, I'm very mature. But there's some topics I don't feel I'm as mature in because I haven't studied it, I haven't learned it, I haven't got a revelation on it yet. And that makes sense. It's not a put down, but there's some areas where I know I'm weaker, and there's some areas where I know I'm stronger. I'm establishing something, but some things I'm not so much. And hopefully I, I believe in the in the basics and the main thing. I'm how mature. And how did I get mature in that area? I step steadfast in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. In other words, my prayer is affected by the other three areas that we've been talking about the last several weeks, my the, 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 continuing steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and the fellowship of prayer. When I pray and cling to the Apostles' doctrine, I see change. I see my prayer work. When I pray and find fellowship or agreement in prayer, which I talked a little bit about this this morning, I see change. I see it working. When I come in agreement to pray with you, where two more gather in my name, there I am. When we come in agreement in prayer, in fellowship and prayer, based on the Apostle's doctrine, we see results. When I begin to understand that God relates to me on the basis of And not only did God relate to me on the basis of covenant, but I also know I'm praying for you that God related to you on the basis of covenant. I see change. See, the same covenant relationship I have with God, because of Christ, you have the same covenant relationship with God too. And who am I to judge you? Who am I to get on you? My we need to come in agreement. We need to come in unity. And I'm praying And God blesses you the same way I'm knowing that God's going to bless me. Uh, I learn all these things. I become mature in all these things as I continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and breaking bread. And we're going to get into as we continue our our prayers. I begin to have faith beyond, when I continue the Apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread, I begin to have faith beyond just my feelings or what I'm sensing. Within my emotions. I have faith based on God's word. And my prayers become profoundly effective. When I there's times maybe when I feel like my faith is weak, it's usually a time when I'm not in the word. Like I should. Sometimes when I dis I've been disconnected with the body of Christ, and like I should. Maybe during the week when I'm not. Connect with the body of Christ. I'm not connected with God's Word as I should. Sometimes I find my faith wavering at times. But all I need to do is get back in God's presence, get back in God's Word. Sometimes I just need to get back in the fellowship with like minded believers. Listen to someone like Andrew or or someone who's preaching the truth. But sometimes just get around another brother or sister who's speaking truth, who's believing truth. Sometimes in the world and other people, they're not speaking truth. They're speaking the of the flesh. They're speaking worldly things. They might even be speaking good things, but they're just not, they're not Bible. They're not biblical. They're not the apostle's doctrine. They're not sound doctrine. And, uh, and but sometimes I, but when I'm disconnected with apostle's doctrine, with fellowship, and and in the moment I'm, I lost focus of the covenant. That's why it says, as often as you partake of his bread, his body, we need, it's a table of remembrance for a reason. We need to be reminded, and we need to come daily. We need, even without the elements, we can still be reminded. We insist we're having communion. We're being reminded of this covenant kind of relationship. The exercise of the elements is actually very helpful because I don't know about you. His body was broken for me, and sometimes I break the cracker or whatever I'm partaking. This cup is a cup of this cup. I'm reminded. I see red. I see the juice. I see. Uh, I, I know that his body was. Uh, it's a covenant of His blood, I'm being reminded, and that helps me mature. That helps rejuvenate uh, uh, my heart that might be wavering in faith. But and these are, again, these are tools that help us. But without them, we will find ourselves withering. It's just like right now we're in summer, and the grass doesn't get water correctly, it will turn brown. But we need to be watered by the apostles' doctrine. We need to be watered by fellowship. We need to be watered by being reminded of the, of, the of, 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 of God covenant relationship. And all three of these things I've been talking about the last few weeks will help build our faith, so that when we pray, we have confidence that God's going to keep us covenant. We're going to have confidence about, about His word. And all these things help me. Stay in faith. All of these things help me stay in confidence. And when I'm struggling, sometimes using one, if not all three of these things are missing, or I just need to get that plugged back in. You ever uh, ever get have a phone where the battery's weak? You just need to get plugged in. We do We just need to get recharged. You know, uh, the the power, uh, the, the 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 phone is already equipped with a battery with the. Power. Or whatever, all the instruments that need to work. The cord, the, the charger is just recharging that battery so it can function as it's designed to do. It's designed to work without the cord, but it needs to be charged once in a while. The fellowship and, and apostles and, and, and even the, uh, communion is not the source itself. But these are tools. If we continue steadfastly in them, they will help us be mature, stay mature. Uh, and so uh, when we do pray, we're going to see results. Because when I'm lacking in faith, when unbelief, when unbelief is more dominant in my heart than faith is, a lot of times I don't see results because unbelief is raining my heart. But I need the Apostle's doctrine. I need. Fellowship. I mean, good fellowship, Christian fellowship. I need uh, the, the covenant to be reminded so that I can starve my unbelief, and and I can I can feed, I can fertilize my faith. That makes sense. I know uh, we're going to pick it up here next week. I think I'm out of time. I guess I'm over time now. So, um, and we're going to pick it up here next week, and we're going to talk a lot about faith, and then we'll probably conclude this series uh, next week. We're good? So I was hoping to get a little further. But uh, uh, anyway, I think we did good today. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. I just thank you for your word. Lord, uh, I know there's so many things I'm trying to communicate. To the Lord, I, I'm, I'm hearing this myself. Lord, we want this thing that we call Christianity to work. Help us. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. Thank you that you have given us the apostles' doctrine. Thank you that you have given us the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us an ordinance that we call communion to be reminded of our covenant relationship with you and our covenant relationship with one another. That you've used these things to help us, to teach us how to pray. And Lord, now, that we know these things and we continue to stay, be step back in them. Lord, teach us to pray. And that your kingdom can be done, that your will can be done. Lord, if, if I didn't plan on spending a lot of time in this, but Lord, if there is broken relationships, if there are things that we need to make right, show us how to do that. Please show us how to do what I, is our part in trying to make it right. Lord, we worship you, we magnify you, we glorify your name. Your word, blesses as we go. Thank you for this week as we go, and do the things that you call us to do. We bless it in Jesus' name. We give you thanks. Amen. And amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. Hopefully next Saturday, and possibly, and then also next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a good week.